Thanks for listening to the River Claremont podcast. We pray you are encouraged by today's message. For more information or to stay connected with what's happening at the river, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the River Claremont. pastor, Dr. Rodney I. Brown, was doing mass crusades in South Africa for a few years, and they were extraordinary. Hundreds of thousands of people, massive crowd, miracles were happening, and I sowed radically one time into it, uh, gave all the money that I had, and then actually gave beyond that for like a month. I was just giving. I was even fasting in order to give it because I was like, I'm going to give this amount. And so I sewed into it, and then the, the door opened up for me to fly to Africa. Now, I had never gotten my passport in my life. I actually didn't even know about passports or anything. So it was like I had to drive to Miami to get my passport in a day just to go to South Africa. And I go, and I get to fly to South Africa. First time ever uh, of anybody in my family that, that had left the country. And so we're talking like the Lord breaking new, new ground. And I get to East London, South Africa, and there's this mass crusade we're doing, and, and one night I was on the scaffolding, like a construction scaffolding in the center of this field with the audio board, because I did audio at the river for years, and man, the glory of God just slammed this field. And, and if you've never had this experience and you never got to go to something like this, it's worth saving whatever you got to save and cut off your Starbucks for a year. And, and fly to a mass crusade and be a part of it and witness just the glory of God in a crowd of 50, 60, or whatever, 100,000 people. I don't know. The, I know it was a sea of people. And miracles just began to, to break all around me. I'm talking, I'm in a scaffold on a field of people chanting the name of Jesus all in unison, and they began to jump. And when they jumped, the scaffold actually shook like an earthquake. Because when, uh, you know, 50, 60, 80,000, I don't know how many thousands of people jump together and then hit the ground together, it's moving the ground. And you're like, and I remember as I'm like, I'm thinking, this is how I'm going to go. And it was like (laughs) exciting to me. I was like, this is epic. Like, what a way to die, you know? Like the scaffolding came down, you're pinned underneath it, and then you're in heaven, you know? And so I'm thinking, this is great. This is the way to go. And uh, I'm looking down. I'm up above the crowd, you know, eight feet up. And I'm watching just right out on the crowd as like people are just saying Jesus. And then they're just getting slammed. And then I watch this wheelchair just start being passed up to the crowd. And eruption of praise as this person that was in it is jumping up and down. Crutches start coming past me. All these miracles are just Popping like popcorn. Everywhere you look, God is like, boom, 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 boom. And I had bad eyesight. So I'm like, I got my contacts in. I'm like, this is my moment. And I remember I I reached up, I pull out a contact, and I throw it in the crowd. And then uh, the rest of the night, I'm like this. (laughs) And I get in the back room, and they're like, what's wrong with your eye? And I was so ashamed to tell them. Because I'm like, bro, if I can't get healed in this crowd, in this atmosphere, something's wrong. You know what I'm saying? It was more difficult not to be healed than it was to be healed. And I was like totally in faith. I don't know why the Lord didn't give me eyesight. Uh, But it was a life-changing moment that I will never forget. And the glory of God is so real. 
that when God manifests himself, you know, I grew up not going to church and then I get thrown into full-fledged revival. I didn't know, I didn't know really church. I knew the glory of God. It's just, that was just the story that I had and I didn't know professional church. I didn't know names of ministries. I didn't know anything. I didn't even know about denominations. I knew none of that. I just knew, man, when you meet Jesus, it is epic. It is indescribable. It is real. His presence is real. It saturates you. You feel it. It electrifies you. Your hair stands up. Your mind shuts down. Your body comes alive. Your spirit is reborn. I mean, it's like you find everything you were made for in the presence of the Lord. It's spectacular. The glory of God is a very real thing. And I love the presence of God. And I pray that this place is always a place where God's presence is in this place. And so the Lord was in this great crowd. Uh, but then I, I, I get the chance before I was ever in this great crowd, I wound up going to Bible college because the Lord called me to go to Bible college. And one day, I'm serving as an armor bearer, which is basically where you carry someone's Bible and open doors for them. That is what I, I figured out at that time because I didn't know anything about an armor bearer. So I was doing my best. Carry the Bible, everything like that. Honor the man of God. And service comes to an end and the pastor says, today's a day for miracles. And so my pastors are going to pray for you right outside here and you're going to be healed. And so we go outside and I'm carrying the Bible of the pastor and, and I open the door and his phone, he opens his phone and he says, I have to go. My wife just called. You're going to have to pray for the people. I'm a first year Bible school student, actually like a two month old Bible school student, you know. And so he, he turns and walks away. I look at this line of people that need a miracle, and I walk up to the very first person, and he's blind with like a milky white eye and then one eye looking at me. And my mind is like, <laughs> like I don't feel the presence of the Lord right now. Like, Lord, you're, you're, he's not, he's, it's, it's evaporated. So in, in desperate hope, I said, what? Do you need a miracle? What do you need healing from? And he actually said to me, what are you, blind? It's like people say, does the Lord have a sense of humor? He does. Uh, if you can handle it, the Lord will make fun of you in a very good way. And I was hoping he had like an ingrown toenail, but it was, it was the eye. Which ingrown tonos are, they're real, bro. Those things hurt. I've had one, let me tell you right now. I feel for people with ingrown toenails. So I didn't know how to pray for people. You know, like I'm a two year, two months into Bible college. I haven't had like the class of this is how you get, what is it, how you do it? I'm just like, all I can think is this blind eye is staring at me. And not filling me with faith. So I took my thumb and I covered it so I didn't have to look at it. It's like almost just like, please don't look back at me right now. Man of great faith I was. And I prayed the simplest prayer like, God, please. Help this man and me in this moment and do what only you can do. 
and I removed my thumb, and his eye was totally clear. Like, looking back, it looked exactly like the other eye. And I was like, <laughs> like that shocking moment of absolute, like, he did it. Like, he did it. And I watched this guy get the revelation that he's, he can see out of the eye. His face goes, because I was covering it before he could even tell he could see. He's like, and like, it, I watch it like, oh my gosh, I'm looking out of my eye and he's about to give God glory. But before he can get it out, I literally shove the guy over. And I'm like, he's healed. <laughs> and he, I actually knocked him on the ground. I had to help him back up. <laughs> and then he's jumping beside me. And then, then I was like God's man of great faith and power. I'm like, who needs healed? <laughs> but it's, it's, it's a life lesson that the Lord is present, whether there's a crowd of 80,000 praising him and the glory is so thick you can barely function, or there's a handful of people underneath a portico outside in the Florida sun and you're a two-month Bible school student that has no clue what he's doing, God is present there. I've seen the Lord do incredible, unbelievable things. We were traveling as ministers for a couple years before we became pastors. And um, the only reason we really became pastors is we felt the Lord draw us and change our hearts to become pastors and start doing that. But otherwise, we were seeing great things. And I was in an extended uh, meeting that went for two weeks in this church. Crowd was grown. Church was really almost nearly at capacity. And a woman shows up. And first night she shows up, she gives in the offering uh, all of her credit cards. But not like the credit card numbers on an envelope. She gives her wallet with credit card numbers. And I'm like, that's weird. You know, I don't want someone's credit cards. I'm not going to, you know, who's going to take that credit card and be like, dinner's on me. Like, no. So I find the lady, and I give the credit cards back. And the moment I find who it belongs to with the ushers, I know this lady's crazy. She's not in her right mind. She doesn't know where she's at. She doesn't really know what's happening. She's just kind of out there. And so I didn't think anything about it. You know, she took off. She was driving, and I thought, that's probably not a good thing. But the next night, she comes in the meeting again, and she gives her wallet again her library card, her credit cards, her keys to her car. And so I give it back. The next night she comes, she gives her keys to her car, her house. She tries to give me her house, all of her credit cards again. And so at this point, I'm like, what is going on with this lady? So I call, I ask her, who, you know, is there anybody I can call on your behalf? And I get a hold of her, her ex-husband. And I'm on the phone with him. And he says, look, my wife, Usher, you can go ahead and sit down. We're just going to do an effort. We'll do the offering at the end. My wife um, and I used to serve the Lord together. We were, we were elders in our church, he said. And something happened, and my wife lost her mind. And he said, it's devastating. I don't know what happened. I don't know how this even comes into, into being. But he said, I have had to move out of the house and support myself with another house. I'm still paying for that house. Um, uh, the cars are hers to give, but I'm not going to buy her another car if, she, if you take the car. And I said, I'm not going to take anything from her. I said, what, what can I do? And he said, just pray for us. He said, it's really devastated our whole family. 
that we went from elders in the church seeing the Lord do great things. We were major contributors in the church. My business was solid. That everything I've went through has financially strapped me. Uh, I, I don't know what's going to happen to us, and, and I'm in a desperate situation. So I pray with him. Well, two weeks of meetings, the woman comes every night. Every night, she even brought her dog one time, and her dog's barking in the meetings. And just out, out to lunch. But every single prayer service, or at the end of the service, she would always come forward for prayer. And um, so then I, I fly home to Florida. Thank God we live in Florida. Like this, as it is, this is cold enough, bro. You know what I'm saying? When, when you go to places like Barrow and people are living in negative 40, you're like, it's just proof that some people are not wired as well up a button. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> Thank God we're in Florida. And uh, so I fly back to this city and I'm doing neutral meetings nine months later. I rented this ballroom and she comes on to the service the second night. Still crazy. Brought her dog, and I'm like, hello, and she's just can't hold a conversation, but actually seemed a little bit better this time than the first time. And on night number four, the power of God slayed her in the spirit, and she got up, and she came to me, and she told me what her husband had told me, which she had never been able to relay before, that she is at one time a giver, that she was married, that her life was great, and then things just fell apart, and she doesn't know how to get them back. And I remember praying for her, and then we flew home. A year later, I go back to the same city. And the time I go back this time, there she is, in her right mind, with her husband by her side. And they come to me, and they tell me the testimony that not only did the Lord restore her mind and restore her marriage, but she, became, she actually inherited a large amount of money from her st- father or something that she was estranged from, millions of dollars, and the Lord financially restored everything to them. And they were sitting there just smiling from ear to ear and just said, thank you, you know, thank you for all that we did. And she looks at me and she says this, she says, you know, through everything I went through, she said, I knew that I was crazy. She said, my spirit was never crazy. My flesh, my mind, my soul had lost it. But my spirit man knew I needed to be around the presence of the Lord. She said, I just have to keep going. I just have to keep going. And God will restore me. God will restore me. So she said, I would listen to myself and think, why are you this way? You're so crazy. And she was on all these prescription medications. And the Lord began to speak to her spirit. And she began to get off the medications and off the medications. And then the Lord totally restored her and put her back in her right mind. And, and everything was miraculously put back together. That's the God that we serve. It's important to realize that sometimes God manifests in a way that you know He's moving. And it's beautiful. The glory of God, when it feels a place and you're just in the presence of God. But there are times God is doing things that you can't see with the natural eye. And you don't even feel. You, you might walk away and think nothing happened. And yet God was doing supernatural things in the midst of what you thought was nothing. Because we typically think that everything is associated with a feeling. If we feel it, God is moving. If the choir is really getting at it and the organ is really blaring and the microphone's really... I had a roommate in college 
that used to watch preachers, and every time they would go, ah, after, after they preached, he thought that was the anointing. <laughs> and the, so one day, there's like eight of us in the room, and they're all like, oh, this man's anointed. Listen to him. Listen to him. Ah! So then I began to just mess with my roommate, and every time I was going to the bathroom, I'd be like, I got to go pee. Ah! And he was like, bro, why are you mocking the anointing? And I said, anointing is not a yell. It's God's stamp of approval. It's the glory of God. It's the presence of God. It's when God does something that is greater than the man that he used to get the thing done. It's when the Lord moves through a failed, flawed vessel and does something perfect. Something written by God. Something orchestrated by God. And when you ever have a moment, and I pray that you have these moments... That you know that you know that you know that God slipped you on like a glove. And use your hands and use your mouth and use your testimony to accomplish something that is impossible for man to accomplish. That's the moments that we live for. There's four words in the Bible that are used as descriptions of our God. That God is spirit. God is spirit because that's why we say God can go where the hand of man cannot go. Science and microscopes cannot discover what God already knows. He's a spirit. He's everywhere at all times. He is present in every moment, whether he is felt or not felt, whether he is witnessed or not witnessed, God is present because he is a spirit. His spirit hovered over the deep in the creation of this world. He has always been there, will always be there. He did not have a beginning. He was before beginnings even happened. He decided let something begin. He's the spirit of God. The Bible says he's a spirit. God is everywhere at all times. Moments that feel dark, moments that feel weak, and moments that feel like victory, God is in the midst of that. In fact, many of you met God and encountered his love in low moments, not high moments. And in those low moments, when you looked and you thought that the Lord was not there, you discovered he was closer than he ever was. That's the God that we serve. The Bible also says he's fire because he's fire. Say, what does that mean? It means go and light a fire, stick your hand in it. That's fire. People say, how do I know that the Lord touched me? He's fire. If you go and lay your hand on a griddle that is 500 degrees, you know that you laid your hand on a griddle that is 500 degrees. You don't ask later, was that grill hot? How do I know that the grill was hot? Because it left an impression upon you. Our God is fire. Come on. People say, I've never met the God of fire. Then you need to lock yourself in your room, get a big gallon of water, close the door, say, I ain't coming out of here till I meet the God who answers by fire. If the Bible says you're an all-consuming fire, Lord, burn out all the dross, all the chaff, all the junk in my life. Set my heart ablaze for you. Like the prophet of old said, dip me in the kerosene of your spirit and set my heart ablaze that I might burn for you. You ever met someone on fire for God? You, you, you meet them two seconds. People on fire for God are like crossfitters and vegans. You know it in two seconds. <laughs> hey, bro, I did crossfit. Yeah, yeah, okay, that's great. Congratulations. And they weave it into conversation within seconds. Hey, man, what about this weather? Hey, I, I take a hammer and I hit a, a tire. You should try it. It's great. It's changed my life. People on fire for God are marked by God. They're marked by God. They don't operate like other people. They're not trying to be different. They're just marked. They're just different. 
It's like God just burns something in them that is so real. They don't live for the temporal things anymore. They're living beyond because they know what has touched me is not in this world. It's greater than this world. I can't discover this in the, in the mountains of Hawaii or Fiji or on the beaches of Florida or in the ski slopes of Colorado. Nothing in this world even comes close to the God that I serve. And the Bible says he's light. Say light. Means he's not dark, he's not shady, he's not up to something that is tricky or weird. Thank the Lord that he is light. Imagine if we served a God like Loki, like the, like the Marvel Loki. That's always trying to trick you and always trying to mess with you and always trying to screw up your mind and mess with you. That's not the God we serve. Though he could do whatever he wants to do to you, he shows up every time for good and pure reasons to pour out his presence upon you, to take you from the moment that you're in into the glory realm that he has called you to be a part of. That's the God we serve. He's not a God of darkness. He doesn't love evil. He hates evil. He stands against it. Every man, every woman that stands for evil, God stands as a as a block between you and them and says your hand can't lay a hand on my children because I'm the God of light and light will always dispel darkness. That is our God. Do you believe it? Say amen. amen. Jesus. When you meet him, come on, you know when you met him, you're like, if you were like me anyways, I can't only speak for myself. I thought I was a good person. I thought I was the greatest teenager, mature full of wisdom, full of grace, full of poise, and I meet God, and I'm like, I am a loser. Because he shined into my dark crevices where greed sat, where jealousy sat, where pride was hiding, where perversion and lust lay dormant in my life, always clawing at my thoughts and always clawing at my actions, trying to take me down this path. But God says, let there be light, and then you see that even when I thought was good is not good, and he is good, and I want him. And then that's where you find yourself saying, God, do whatever you want to do to me. Take it all away. I don't want anything but you. Because everything else I ever leaned upon, I can't even trust myself to have it anymore. Our God is spirit. Ooh, sorry. <laughs> Teenage voice came out. He restores your youth so that... Even in your 30s, you sound like a pubescent boy. <laughs> Say amen. <laughs> He's fire. But when you say fire, you can't say fire. You got to say fire. You got to make it scratch the back of your throat. And then you know you're talking about fire. He's light and he's love. But not a love like this world defines love. This world defines love as someone that lets you do what you want to do, say what you want to say, and just live your life unchecked and just always be the person to pat you on the back and say things are great. God loves you so much that he's willing to get in the muck of your life and say, this, this I will not let you get away with. This I will call you to the table on because where I'm going to take you, this can't, this can't be. He loves you enough to surround you with people That'll, that'll look you in the face sometimes and tell you, stop acting this way and get this right and quit doing that and don't lay hold of that and don't go down that path. How many people in here has ever had someone that the love of God was used to reach you in, in, in the midst of what you were being led astray in? Thank God for that. 
What if God was just a hunky-dory God that was like, I love you and you'll figure it out. Oh, you're going to hell, but I love you in hell. He's like, I don't want that for you. I want better for you. I've called better into your life. I've, I've dreamed better for you. And so he surrounds you. Those are the descriptions of God. But in the Bible, there's so many names of God. Because when people try and take a language and describe the majesty, the glory, the wonder, the power of our God, we have to just keep coming up with names. Because <laughs> every time you try and explain God, he does something beyond that. You know, maybe we should just call him that, the God of beyond, the God of more than enough, the El Shaddai, the God who is not enough. He's more than enough. He's excessive. He's too much. He's the God of overflow. He's the God of, there's the line that is reason. He goes beyond it because he's exceedingly great in all things. That's the God we serve. There's so many things, so many names. You read the Bible, and you, from even just Jesus, from Emmanuel to to Yeshua, to Jesus, to everything that describes the wonder of the God that we serve. And just the other day, I was walking into Walmart. This guy was full of joy. I mean, full of joy. And shouting at everybody, Merry Christmas! People are like... <laughs> and I get closer, and he's got his Walmart vest on. He's an employee of Walmart, bursting with joy. And I was just about to tell him how proud I am of him to have joy and he turns and he's like, Merry Christmas. And I look to, to, I'm like saying Merry Christmas back to him. And I look at his name tag and it's Jesus. We know it's probably Jesus, but we're just going <laughs> to. And I was like, happy birthday. <laughs> well, the Lord will give you some really great moments in life. Full of joy. His name is Jesus. So today I want, to, I want to talk to you about the name of the Lord Jehovah Shammah, which many of you do not might not know what that name is. But Ezekiel is an entirely prophetic book. If you read the book of Ezekiel, you're going to need a study guide to go along the way. <laughs> There's wheels within wheels. There's all sorts of things going on. Every time you read prophetic things, it gets to the point where you, you're trying to grasp it. You want to make sense of it, but you can't really make sense of it. You can only get it by the Spirit of God. Like one service I was in, I was joking about the prophetic and said, the Lord gave me a dream of a pizza spinning around with pepperonis and anchovies. And it was, I thought I was obviously joking with people, but someone came to me after the service and said, the Lord gave them the interpretation of the dream. And I said, bro, I never had that dream. I was joking. And he was like, oh, we always want to grasp the wonders of God. But keep in mind, the Bible says we know in part. We prophesy in part. There's not a person that walks the earth that knows the fullness of what God is doing right now. We all get a, a glimpse of it. But Ezekiel is a very prophetic book that ends with the term, the exact last words of Ezekiel in the Hebrew are Jehovah Shammah, or the Lord is there. Speaking about the new Jerusalem that is coming and calling it Jehovah Shammah, or the Lord is there. I believe it's a prophetic sign at all moments of our life in every generation that no matter what is going on, the Lord is present and the Lord is there. God is there in your life right now. He was there years ago in your life and he will be with you into 2021 
and beyond. As long as this earth remains, the Lord will be there for you. If you believe it, say amen. amen. God, God does not lead you to abandon you. See, the Lord agrees. See? It's prophetic. If you get the Morris code of that, that's a, that's a message from God. Beep, 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 beep. Lewis. The Lord is there. The Lord is there. Whether you feel God's presence or you don't feel God's presence, it's important to realize that the Lord is there. In your high moments when you feel like shouting and, and praising, God is there. And in the low moments when you feel like your mind wants to tell you you've been abandoned by God, He is there. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. The important thing is always to check your own heart. If God is there and God is present, are you living for the Lord or have you gotten off course? And that's up to you to correct that. And the Bible says in Exodus 17, 1 through 7, let's read this scripture. It says, at the Lord's command, the whole community of Israel left the wilderness of sin. Say sin. Speaking of the prophetic, ultimately I feel this is a prophetic Text speaking about ultimately the deliverance of all of God's children all throughout time. That these are the Israelites that were brought out of bondage in Israel or in Egypt, and so they came into Egypt during a famine, were welcomed in because of Joseph. But many years, four hundred years later, they were in bondage as slaves. The Bible says that Pharaoh recognized them as a threat, so he enslaved the people so that they couldn't rise up against him. They lived as beaten down slaves until the Lord did supernatural signs and wonders. The plagues that hit Egypt until Pharaoh said, let them go. And then hunted them down and drowned his entire army in the Red Sea. That is where we pick up in this story. These are people that watch God do supernatural, unexplainable, divine miracles time after time to get them where they were. But now they find themselves, say temporarily, say temporarily, temporarily in the wilderness of sin. When you met God, he did a radical work in your life. But there's that temporary moment when you're still trying to renew the mind and get yourself living the holy lifestyle like you're supposed to live. I love people in that moment. As long as they keep going to God, they totally get redeemed. But some people get snagged up in that place and spend their entire life between the glory of God and the old person that they used to be. God's not called you to stay still. God's called you to keep moving forward. Don't hang out in the wilderness of sin. Get past the wilderness of sin into the promised land. Because the same God that delivered you from bondage is the same God that will place you in the place of honor. Amen. And I think going into 2021, we've seen crazy things this year. We've seen crazy things basically since I've been in the ministry. I've been contending for something that I do not feel we have yet witnessed poured out in this generation. And I will not stop until this thing comes or until Jesus takes me home. But I can tell you this. There's a hunger in me that tells me God is not through moving with this generation yet. That there is something for us to go after that we cannot get caught up in professional church we cannot get caught up in denominational battles. We cannot get caught up in any distraction of this world. We've got to keep our eyes on Jesus, the same one that brought us from where we used to be and is continuing to bring us on into the glory of his presence. 
But there's a place that I'm hungry to get to as a child of God. And they moved. They left the wilderness of sin and moved from place to place, bouncing around until eventually they came to Raphidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. So once more, the people complained against Moses. Give us water to drink, they demanded. Quiet, Moses replied. Why are you complaining against me and why are you testing the Lord? But tormented by their thirst, they continued to argue with Moses. Why did you bring us out of Egypt? Are you trying to kill us? Our children and our livestock with thirst. Then Moses cried out to the Lord, what should I do with these people? They're ready to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, walk out in front of the people, take your staff, the one you used when you struck the water of the Nile, and call some of the elders of Israel to join you. I will stand before you on the rock at Mount Sinai, strike the rock, and water will come gushing out. Then the people will be able to drink. So Moses struck the rock as he was told, and the water gushed out as the elders looked on. Keep in mind, this is not 10 people that are thirsty. This is over a million people that are thirsty. So this wasn't like a little water fountain that sprung out. Like he cracked a rock and there was a little water hidden in the rock somewhere. And they're cupping their hands like. This is like a river came bursting out of a rock that fed livestock and millions of people. It's like a lake was formed because he struck a rock because God is the God of more than enough. Come on, somebody. In the midst of a desert, all you got to do is stumble on a rock and God can perform a miracle. Moses named the place Massa, which means test, and Meribah, which means arguing because the people of Israel argued with Moses and tested the Lord by saying, is the Lord here with us or not? The basic scripture I'm using today is that oftentimes we can get into a place we wonder, is the Lord still moving? Are things still going ahead? Have things halted? What's happening in the nations right now? Are we on the verge of a great outpouring or is it held back? Is God here with us or not? Keep in mind, no matter what you've witnessed or seen, maybe in this year, that God is still here. God is still moving supernaturally. Some people had their greatest year ever. But as a pastor, I've also heard the stories of people that have had a very traumatic year and have had to go and do things they were not doing before because it was a disruptive year in many things. Is the Lord here with us? Yes. Is he here with you when you have a lot? Yes. Is he here with you when you seem like you don't have a lot? Yes, he's with you. And he's always more than enough whether you have a lot or you don't have anything. God is still more than enough. When you don't have anything to lose, that's a freeing place to be. You say, man, I've lost everything. What more can hold me back? So come on, Jesus, let's do something right now. Because when you need a miracle for everything, you're going to be more apt to press in for a miracle. When you have a lot, thank the Lord for the blessing upon your household and on your family that God has provided more than enough during this time. But I felt like just kind of going through this year for a bit as we close out this year and speak about 2021. 2020, the Lord... Many people said through the prophetic unctions it would be a year of vision because 2020 indicates you have good vision. And I believe that it was indeed that. It was a year where we saw a lot. I told my wife the other day, they've always said, in my life I've always heard that 3% of the world runs 97% of the world. That 3% of us are different somehow or another than the 97%. And I feel like when you look at the world right now, you can see an evident difference in people 
that the majority of people go this way and there's a remnant of people that are just not buying into what is happening right now and standing saying, look, I'm not rebellious. I'm not trying to be that person. I just don't see what you see. I see something totally different happening right now. I see a shaking going on. And in that shaking, I feel more than ever I'm supposed to draw close to God right now and not see how far I can wander away from him. Amen. Amen. And when all this came down, my wife and I were on a cruise. Of all cruises, we were on the Princess Cruise, the very one, not the one that's had the coronavirus outbreak, but the very, you know, cruise line that was hit hardest by coronavirus. And so here we are on this cruise, and every day they get a little bit more intense. Three days into it, we can't dish up our own food. We have to let them dish up our food. We can't go into the place to get food without putting hand sanitizer on. And we're like, what's happening? Then two days before the cruise is over, a video announcement from the president of Princess Cruise says, we're closing down our operations. This was the last cruise that we were able to do in completion. After this, we have to halt all things according to CDC guidelines. Then the workers on the boat are telling us we're going to be stuck because we can't go home. We live in the Philippines, and the Philippines has already mandated no Americans can come to the Philippines, and so we're stranded. You know, the guy that was cleaning our room was like, pray for me. I don't know when I'm going to see my family, and I don't know where I'm going to go. I'm, I'm from the Philippines, so I don't know what's going to happen from here. And when you're leaving the boat, they're all like crying, <laughs> like watching you leave. Like, that's what we get off of this boat. And I remember... You know, driving back home, and we'd got reports from Pastor Jeff and Summer that we were like the only church that was open on Sunday before. And I said, I said, why? And they said, this this virus. I said, well, what's happening back there? Are people dying on the streets? With I mean, nothing was happening on the boat. So we land on Saturday. I drive home. I'm rested. I just had you know a cruise. I feel great. You know what I'm saying? I don't have television, so I don't know what's happening in the world. I'm totally clueless. And I come to church the next day. And I'm like, woo, great times, everything's spectacular, hug your neighbor, kiss him on the neck, you know, get close to one another, I don't know anything that I'm doing. It's like one time I was in a church, and I'm like talking to the pastor, this woman's going to preach on Sunday, she's got a word from God, say amen, pastor, and he's like, amen. And I didn't know that literally written in their foundation of the church, it says women are not allowed to preach. And I'm up there like a total idiot, she's going to preach, fires on her. And I don't even know that I'm challenging things. I'm just thinking this, this, this is what's going to happen. Say amen, pastor. And he's like, no. <laughs> Church closed down right after that. Shut down. I mean, they just died because they didn't catch the word of the Lord. Not that it was because I gave it. Just the Lord was moving them forward. And so we don't know what's going on. We get attacked that week. I mean, I come from a cruise, I have church one Sunday, I come in and there's a written letter with my name on it, and I read the letter that I'm endangering people's lives, that I am not a good leader, that I should quit the ministry, that in the midst of what's happening in the nation, it shows that I'm an immature believer to even gather right now, one Sunday back from a cruise. Instantly, in my mind, I'm thinking, what is going on? What am I supposed to do? Anybody in here, has anybody in here ever really wanted to put someone in harm's way? Have you ever had the thought, man, I really want to see if I can get this person killed accidentally? No. It's not in a believer's heart. You don't wake up full of hate to a person. 
and want to endanger a person's life. And so obviously, as a leader, I have a decision to make right now. Am I endangering people's lives? Am I? Is the Lord going to move right now, or is this the time to take a break? What are we supposed to do? And I remember it got so intense trying to decide what to do that I remember telling my wife, I don't think I'm the one for this job. I think I should step down and let Pastor Jeff run the church. He's an awesome man of God. I'll follow him wherever he wants to go. If he says we're closing down, I'll be like, you've got it, Bubba. Bubba. We're shutting down. Pastor Bubba. We love Pastor Jeff. And so that's where I'm at. And you say, why are you telling me all this? I want, you to, I want to take you on the journey. I want you to realize that not everything in this life feels good all the time. Not every moment of your life do you 100% confidently beyond any shadow of a doubt know exactly what Jesus would do. You're like rubbing the bracelet. Like, what would you do? And visions of Jesus walking on water and multiplying bread is coming forward. So you go out to your pool and you start going. You just fall right in and your bread's wet and you're like, that didn't work. Now I have a soaking wet sandwich. I'm wet. Now what would Jesus do? <laughs> and it got really tense. And it intensified. It didn't stop there. It kept snowballing. To the point that I find one day my phone is ringing. I look at my phone and I pick it up. It's Roy Fields, a good friend of the church that comes often with his family. And he says, hey, bro, what happened to your father-in-law? He got arrested. Is he out of jail? And I said, do what? I said, who, who shot who with a pecan? What are you talking about? Who tied my bow tie? That's, that's beginner's tongues right there. Who tied my bow tie? Who shot the pecan? And uh, he said, no, he's, he's arrested. It's all over. And so I try and call him. He doesn't pick up because he's, he's in jail. <laughs> he already got his phone call. <laughs> <laughs> so now I'm like, wow, what's happening? So then I get off the phone. I'm like trying to figure out what to do. I mean, he, he got arrested. He's shutting down the church. I get a call from, from our chief of police. Good, good man. Chief Broadway is a great man of God. Good man. And I had been following with him and I've been talking with Chief Broadway all the way up to this moment, telling him, we're still having church. Are you okay with that? And he was always like, that's fine. That's fine. And then at this point, he calls me. He says, Caleb, I'm just going to have to tell you, there's been some calls to the station. People are not happy with you right now. There's been some kind of tension uh, coming in and then the governor's Walking down the state, he's going to be announcing it today. So at that point, I have to back the governor. And if he does not let churches be open, I have to mandate that you be closed. And I said, all right, well, how about we go online? Everybody's going online. Let's try this thing. So I go online that Sunday. And keep in mind, I called CDC, or not CDC. I called the health department. I called the police department. I called the fire department. I called the state representatives. I called everybody. 
as a leader in the local community to ask them what are we supposed to do or what is allowed to do. And they all said the same thing. We're not exactly sure right now. When I called the health department, they said call the police. When I called the police, they said call the health department. When I called the health department again, they said try the local representatives. I called the local representative. That's Anthony Sabatini. He's like, have church. Blow the place up. Don't ever shut down. Take off the mask. You know, Anthony. He's like, you stay strong, brother. I'm like, all right, Anthony. If I go to jail, you'll back me up. He's like, bro, I'll, I will represent you. So here we are. It's April. We do three days or three Sundays online and one in our parking lot. And after that, I was like, this is it. Because in the inside of me was so much grief that I felt I am not trying to endanger someone's life. Nor am I young and arrogant in my decision. But if this is a pandemic of the size and proportion that they say it is, then the church better never close. And she better have her doors open, and there better be somebody there that'll wrap their arms around a person and pray with them and stand with them and encourage them that God is still here. He is Jehovah Shammah, the Lord that is always there. He's always there. Jesus. Jesus. Our God is not the God that shies away. He's not the God that backs you when things are good, but when an opposition comes along, he says, see you later, hope you make it out. Our God is there by your side in any and all circumstances, in every pandemic and pestilence. The Bible says, do not fear. Hallelujah. So you have to cast the fear off and say, no, either I'm going to die serving the Lord or I'm going to live for his glory. But there is only one thing in my life that is constant, and that is that the Lord has always been there for me. So it is not time for me to give up on the Lord. I will stand for him. I'll stand for his people, and I'll stand for people that don't know him, that don't know they don't know him. I'll stand for those people. They can lob hate at me. They can write what they want. Still, I will return it with love. Because you don't know the God that I know, and you don't know the love that I know. And I'm telling you, you need him in your life. So come on, somebody. How do you get to the moments in life that matter? Are they moments that have a blinking red light that you know this is a life-changing moment? Not always. Sometimes it's as simple as you woke up right after a cruise and had to make a very quick decision. What God do you serve? A God that promotes fear or a God that is... Alive and well. Let me tell you something. I recognize that there is things going on in the nations of the world right now. And I think the question that should have been asked is, where did the virus come from? But that question was ignored. Instead, we just focus on whether or not we're responsibly handling it and pointing fingers all the time at who is not doing things well. But that's part of what I want to preach to you about right now. These people were in the wilderness. God had done mighty miracles in their life. But they got to a place where rather than looking to the same God that delivered them before, they pointed their finger at leadership and pointed at them and said, what did we follow you for so we could come out here and die of thirst? Well, didn't God bring you out of Egypt? 
Didn't God drown an army in front of you? Didn't God give you wealth? Didn't God give you a promised land? Didn't God give you something to look forward to? But you're going to point your finger at someone else because you don't want the responsibility of making the decision right now. Just like I didn't want the responsibility of making the decision. Let me tell you something, church. 2021 will be your greatest year ever. As long as you stay dedicated to the word of the Lord, the things of God, and keep your eyes focused on Jesus and say, I will not waver. I'll follow Jesus everywhere he leads me, whether it's into a crowd that is against me or a crowd on my side. I'm following the one that matters because he's more than enough. He's the God that is always there. He will always be there. And then on top of that, maybe this year was a test. I feel like the church as a whole has gotten immature about handling the presence of God. About recognizing the weight of the glory of heaven. That you're talking about the mightiest force that has ever, ever, ever been and ever will be. The king of glory. The king of the ages. The mighty one. And it's like this generation wants God's presence with nothing attached to it. You, you move when we want you to move. You move how we want you to move. You say what we want you to say. You pat us on the back when we want patted on the back. And ignoring the fact that God is not you. He's God. And he has something. Think about the New Testament when the, the, they were just moving into this new move of God and the glory of God and the Holy Spirit upon the, the flesh and filling people. And people would stand up in church and lie and drop over dead. If that happened in this church, my God, the health department would be in here. <laughs> Articles would be written. People would run out of the place. I don't know about going into that church. Let me tell you, Aunt Beverly, she died. I thought he was supposed to be good. He is good, but he's holy. He's holy. He's a holy God. I'm not saying this to strike fear. I'm saying it to cast fear out. Recognize the glory of the God that you serve. And realize sometimes things don't always go the way we want them to go. And they actually tested the Lord. But really the test was, do the people have the character to keep going to the promised land? To keep moving forward and keep trusting God and keep declaring that God is on the verge of something great and we will see it come to pass. How many people in here, you feel the unction by the Holy Ghost that God has something in store very soon? Look at that. Look at that. See, we're not crazy. Thank God. Thank you that you raised your hand. Bullet dodge there. If there was like two of us, we'd be like, okay, we're going to start a small group and the rest of them can... Move on together. You feel it. It's deep. It's deep in you. You just know it. And you don't know how to get there. You don't know what it takes to get there. But you know that you serve a God that's willing to get you there if you just keep your eyes on him. But it's like you've got that hunger. You've got that thirst. And you, most likely many of you in here have been had things hurled at you this year. And, and people slammed you for things this year, but you just kept going and you kept loving Jesus. And don't ever stop loving Jesus. And don't ever get caught up in a battle you're not called to fight. God has something in store for you. The most effective tests are the tests we don't realize we're taking. And maybe this test this year was a test that some people didn't realize they were in. I've always been aware or 
not aware. I've always been asking the Lord, not just, can you do great things in my life? For whatever reason, I always, when I, when I go to the Lord in prayer, it's like I find it in me all the time. I'm like, God, could you just help me be the man that you want me to be? Because if I could just truly live pleasing to you, that would be my greatest delight ever. To wake up and know I'm pleasing to God is my goal. And whether that leads to high heights in ministry or great wealth or great influence or a handful of people, I don't, I don't care. I just know I'm living for him. Faithful he has been and faithful he will be. And I want to be faithful to him. And as I was reading the past month, I was rereading all the Old Testament, some of my favorite stories from Joseph and Samson and Samuel. I love the story of Samuel. I think it's incredible. A woman scorned turns into the greatest judge and prophet that Israel had ever had. And she was cast aside for being barren. God did a miracle, and Samuel was a man of pure heart that brought in the lineage of Christ through King David for us still to, to witness today. I think it's incredible when you read these stories how God moved. And there was one word that sprung out to me as I read these stories that I had never noticed before, and it was the word dedicated. That over and over again in the Old Testament of these men that God used mightily, the term, it says that they were dedicated to the Lord. So what I want to challenge you with on the last Sunday of this year is what are you dedicated to? Are you dedicated to the ways of the Lord? Are you dedicated to His Word and to His presence? And stir up that dedication to say, come, come what may this next year. I know that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. We will not waver on that. We, we, we don't do it because we're trying to gain attention. We don't do it because we're trying to rebel. We don't do it because we're full of ourselves. We do it because we've emptied ourselves and are living for the one that matters most. We will look a fool for Christ because in that he gets glory. And that's what I want. Are you dedicated to God? Are you willing to stand in trials and tribulations in great times and in moments when it feels like you are not appreciated for what you do? Jesus fought for the salvation of Israel and they murdered him. Moses fought for his people to be set free from Egypt and had to flee for his life because they themselves wanted to turn him over to Pharaoh to be killed after he fought an Egyptian on their behalf. So he fled into the wilderness. Joseph had a dream. The dream was salvation and deliverance and prosperity for his family, but they didn't like that. Oftentimes, the very ones that God raises up to lead a generation forward are hated during that generation. Even this generation, we can call back to some of the great ministers, the Catherine Kuhlmans and the Smith Wigglesworths and the Lester Summerall's, but while they walked this earth, there were people that hated them. They got just as many hate letters as they got love letters. Amen? Yeah. There was just as many people excited about what they were doing as were standing against them. That's the, that's the truth of it. That when we ever think and buy into the majority rules, that's not the place the church is supposed to live. Amen. We live by the unction of the Holy Spirit. And there will be times that you will be on a field with 80,000 chanting the name of Jesus. And there will be times when you're in a back room with nobody else there chanting the name of Jesus. And in both places, Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there. He will always be there. He'll never fail you. He never forsakes you. Whether his presence is so strong you're on your face, 
or you don't feel it and rather you feel stress, he's still with you and God will lead you forward. Some of the greatest deliverance moments in my life was not moments that I felt were high moments. It was just me clinging to loving the Lord and continuing to go. And I said this in the first service, and I want to encourage you with this. People that do great things for the kingdom of God are not people that are super talented or ones of great education and backgrounds. They are people that simply do not quit. And you are of that persuasion. You are not put here to quit. You are put here to keep going. Hebrews 10.36 says it this way. You have need of steadfast patience and endurance so that you may perform and fully accomplish the will of God and thus receive and carry away and enjoy to the full what is promised. This is in the Amplified. For still a little while, a very little while, and the coming one will come and he will not delay. But the just shall live by faith. Say live by faith. You see, the Israelites were caught up in the wilderness of sin. And God had planned for this to be temporary. A handful of days and you'll be stepped into the promised land and all will be well. But instead of staying in faith, they lost their faith to the opposition before them. And when they gave up their faith, their temporary circumstance became the remainder of their life. So if you find yourself ever stagnated in the things of God, drop on your knees, repent to the Lord, stir yourself up and start acting in faith once again. Amen. The just shall live by faith. My righteous servant shall live by his conviction, respecting man's relationship to God and divine things, and a holy fervor born of faith and conjoined with it. And if he draws back and shrinks in fear, my soul has no delight or pleasure in him. The Lord has no delight in those that draw back. But our way is not of those who draw back to eternal misery and are utterly destroyed. We are of those who believe cleave to, trust in, and rely upon God through Christ Jesus. And by faith, we persevere. God is for us. And we are not a people that shy away just when things get tense. Just because we were willing to stand, we've seen countless families fed this year because we were willing to stand in a pandemic and say that we don't know how to do this, but we know we should do it. And God provided every step of the way. Just because we were willing to stay open and have our doors open. Do you know how many? For every hate letter, we have had people write to us and declare, because you were open, you don't understand what you've done in my life. That I was looking at killing myself in the midst of everything going on in this pandemic. But I walked into that building and faith took flight in my heart. And my life is forever changed. I thank you for it. Come on, church. We don't know the stories of the people around us. And we don't do it so we can be celebrated by men. We do it because we understand the church is essential and has always been essential. If Jesus left this earth and he said, the church is my plan A for this world, world, then we understand we are essential no matter whether the government recognizes it or does not recognize it. We're meant to take a stand for people's souls, for their life, for the things of heaven. Where else can you go and someone lay hands on you and see you healed? Right now, in the midst of everything going on, people stay away from hospitals like you couldn't believe. You knew it was a problem when hospitals were advertising on television, come check us out. We're just as good as we've ever been. Did you witness that? Hospitals. Orlando Health, still here for you, still willing to take care of you. Come on down. We're cleansing the rooms. Like, what is this? A sales pitch to go to the hospital right now? 
Because people, you, you, people would call you. I don't feel good. But I am not going to the hospital, Pastor. You pray for me. I'm either going to die or I'm going to be healed. But I am not checking into that hellhole. People were drawing a line in the sand. They were like, I, I would go in there and get sick. Mm-hmm. And if you work in the hospitals, we pray the hand of God be upon you. Truly do. Because you're walking in a war zone. We understand that. That's what's going on right now. And it's like, where was the church? And I am not. I, the Lord told me one time, Caleb, don't talk bad about my bride. And so I do my best to honor people that are of a different walk than me. You know, I used to feel like a weirdo because I was the spirit-filled, tongue-talking, devil-casting, Bible-toting, you know, and so I would always feel weird around other believers and not know what to talk about. The Lord's helped me get past that, and now I feel like we can talk about Jesus and all's well. I love Jesus. And when I talk about Jesus, the Holy Spirit shows up, so then it's all well. But, um, that hurt me this year when I was grasping to see what the Lord wanted me to do. I was looking at our nation's leaders of faith, and I saw so many of them not portraying a message of faith, but the exact opposite. And that was one of the biggest things for me, to, because I am not, I was never trying to be a hot shot on my own. I would always look like, what is the body of Christ doing? What's going on? In the nation, and to see so many leaders that didn't take a stand, I realized that we are in need of revival more than ever. When people say God is moving, He is moving, He has always been moving. But I'm telling you, we need some good old fashioned Holy Ghost encounters in the body of Christ once again. We need some supernatural moments where God breaks off junk. Come on. I'm telling you, this generation has got to wake up and realize it is not time to play church anymore. Forget whether it looks professional. Forget how long the clock goes for. Forget how long many songs you sing. Forget everything other than the glory of God. Is God there? If he's not there, you sing a little longer. You shout a little louder. You pray a little harder. You read a little longer. You study that word. You get on your knees. You cry out to God and you say, God, we're not leaving until your presence saturates the place. Come on, church. That's what has to happen. I'm telling you, 2021, God is looking to pour out in this nation like never before, but it comes. The precursor to every revival has always been a church on their face saying, God, give us heaven or take us there now. But we want you in this nation once more, crying out, saying, Lord, pour out in this generation the things that we need to happen the supernatural encounters, the, the Holy Ghost explosions. We need the times where we get so caught up that we don't realize six hours has gone by. We need the moments when youth at six years old are caught up into the glory realm and called from God at a young age and live their life with a fire burning in them. Come on. It's time that we see people prophesy and it be a real word of prophecy that the Lord backs up with supernatural signs and wonders. You say, is it happening? It's happening now, but it's going to intensify. 2021 is going to get ridiculous. Lee Good. God's already been there. Jehovah Shammah, he's already been to 2021. 
He knows exactly the day he's returning. Thank God we don't know it. You know what I'm saying? Because if you knew the day, you'd probably live like relaxed until the week heading up to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we got years. We got year, days, weeks. Yeah, oh, 28 hours. We better get real. <laughs> Lord, I repent right now for the last seven years of my life. <laughs> That's human nature, right? We're famous for putting things off. Like, mm, we'll get to that, you know? I was going to procrastinate today, but I'd rather do it tomorrow type thing. <laughs> so I felt to encourage everybody and stir that up in you. When I was reading that dedication, how dedicated are we to the things of the Lord and what he wants to do in your life? And how dedicated are we, number one, as a church to really make an impact in this community? And that's been so heavy on my heart at the close of this year to I'm, I'm praying fervently. And if the Lord gives you a supernatural idea of how to impact the community greater, I want to know it because I feel that in my bones that this church has got to do more for Claremont. And whether it's not so that we can be celebrated as a church, it's so that the true people that are hurting in Claremont can encounter the God that we serve. It matters, people, from the food ministry to prayer to every aspect of this church, I'm, I'm committed to this next year to see it grow in what we do outside of these four walls to greatly encourage the local city around us and to make sure that we are present in this community in all areas so that it becomes a hub where the presence of the Lord is poured out. God never designed the church so that he would just move inside the four walls of the church. This was always designed to be a filling station. Come on, somebody. It's like when you go on vacation. You don't go on vacation to a gas station. You just stop there along the way to be filled up to get to your destination. This is the fill-up station where we come and get stirred up and filled up and encouraged. And people prophesy over you and people sing over you. And you worship the Lord and the glory of God fills you. And then you go out. And you go right into the land that God has called you to, and you start making a difference. You start laying hands on people at work. You start praying for them, business owners. That's something we're going to see go this next year. We're going to start pulling the business owners together because there's a shocking amount of business owners in this church. And I'm telling you, God has raised you up for such a time as this so that you don't just make money, but you create an environment where faith is taught to people in it. And that faith is Jesus Christ, and they encounter the Lord, and things supernatural will happen in that. Come on, somebody. One thing I'm aware of, I want everybody to come to our church. I think it's the greatest church around. But I know that most, there's people that won't come to our church. There's people, I get the feedback. They leave because I brought up politics. Jeez. I mean, we, got, we speak in tongues publicly and don't explain it sometimes, you know what I'm saying? We just we cast devils out here. We lay hands on people and they fall down. And we talk about politics. My God, we've got every thing going against us possible. You know what I'm saying? Like, so people come, if it's not, if it's not the politics, it'll be the tongues. If it's not the tongues, it'll be the person that fell down. And if it's not that, it'll be the person that, that manifested beside them. And we're like, come out in Jesus' name. It'll be that. So it's like we realize, you know, that's, that's always fun, too, when you go to church and the person beside you is that person, you know. I recommend if you're single and you're dating, bring them to church. And as long as they don't manifest and growl, you might have found a keeper. 
If they start growling on the second row, rawr, okay, let's just, we'll get them free. Then we're going to go, we're going to do a little counseling and see if this is the Lord. <laughs> People say, are demons real? They're in the Bible. They're real. And sometimes they clothe themselves in politicians. <laughs> Sometimes they clothe themselves as preachers. Sometimes they clothe themselves as Mr. Right or Mrs. Right, and they are not right at all. And thank God for the glory of God that reveals things that are hidden. Come on. Isn't the Lord good? His presence is so precious. Stir up that expectation for the presence of the Lord. Stir that up in your household. I recommend... Going, closing out this year and beginning this year. I mean, be real about this. Shut off distractions for a bit and like let the glory of God fill your house. Turn on worship. Turn on the word. Stir yourself up. Pray over your household. Get the glory of God in your house. It's the most precious thing that when you really tap into that responsibility as a believer to where you're on your face and your rug and you feel the presence of God like when our worship team is jamming up here, you feel it at home when it's just you. That matters. That's setting the course of your life and your household. And you move from this place of peace rather than this place of stress. You're never meant to be a person that moves from the, the triggering of this world. You're meant to be a person that brings into this world the things of God. Heaven on earth through you, the temple of the Holy Ghost. Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says it in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and 2 Corinthians chapter 6. God dwells on the inside of you. So where is God? Is he in heaven? He is, but he's with you too. Come on, somebody. And all you got to do is stir that thing up. Like Paul said to Timothy, stir up the gift of God that's in you. Stir yourself up sometimes. Stir up that dormant understanding of God until it's fire burning once more on the inside of you. The goodness and the power and the prestige of God's Holy Spirit in you. Be dedicated to the things of God. Hebrews 12, 11, or 1 through 4. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and now he's seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and you won't give up. After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. As a born-again believer, the best is always yet to come in your life. Tomorrow is going to be better. And the beauty of it all is that whenever we actually do leave this earth, it's really going to get good. Come on. So the best is always yet to come. It's always there. So do not grow weary. Do not give up. Do not give in. Do not drift away from God. Draw close to God. The Bible says if you draw near to God, He will draw near to you. Get as close as you can to God. And before the start of this next year, I pray that the Lord would give you dreams and visions in the night hours to encourage you of the things to come. And some of you in here, there have been dreams that have been boiling up on the inside of you. And I've been hearing it of people in this church that are finally going to step out and do certain things. And I'm like, do it. 
Go after the things of God like never before. What's the worst that could happen? You fail? I've failed many times. Come on, who in here has ever failed before? Bro, I have planned meticulous, detailed plans and started out on step one, and step one didn't go right, so the next 27 steps I had no longer applied. And that's happened more than once in my life. Come on. Most things the Lord has called me to do, I have no idea what I'm doing. None. Like, I'm like, God, why? I don't feel like that's the boot. I don't know about you, God. And you step out and the Lord meets you there. It's all in the faithfulness to just be willing to do it. That's where God meets you. God doesn't need your talents to do great things. Though he gave you talents, he just needs your obedience to step out. And God will fill you with everything that is lacking. Come on, somebody. Stir it up right now. God is going to do exceedingly great things this next year. Thanks for listening to the River Claremont Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in seeing lives touched and changed by the love and power of Jesus, you can give online at www.riverclaremont.com. Your prayers and financial support are changing lives.